Welcome to Highlight Church. Uh, we are four weeks old, uh, but uh, I think we're doing pretty well, right? Come on now, superheroes. Let's clap that up. Cool, man. We're in a series entitled Wow Goose Chase, and uh, we're going to dive in, going to get straight into the word. For any of our first-time guests, it's such an honor to have you today. Thank you for taking, taking out your time this morning to join us. Um, we have a few parents here with us, uh, with our, our original core team that moved, uh, nine adults and two children uh, from Florida, North Dakota, and New York. We all converged here to Gaithersburg, Maryland, uh, the most diverse city in the nation, and uh, with big dreams, a lot of faith, and uh, a lot of love for people. Uh, so God sent us here to create a space so that we can encounter him and his love. And it's been an absolute privilege and a joy. So we're so grateful for you, and we thank you for joining us this morning. Um, as I said, we're in a series entitled Wild Goose Chase. Um, so here we're going to be preaching through uh, weeks of series. Sometimes they may be biblical topics such as faith or love. Or we may go book by book. Uh, we may do the book of John for three months, verse by verse, just pulling out everything that we can. Other times we're going to deal with an idea or a concept, uh, a biblical idea. Um, so we're in week four of Wild Goose Chase. We have one more week left. If this series has blessed you, give us another hand clap. I mean, this thing has been powerful. Been absolutely powerful. We have a new series starting November 20th called Here Now. Uh, not Here Now, but Here Now. Now we're going to come out of the book of Zechariah. We're going to expound on four verses for four weeks. And that's going to be pretty powerful as we head into the holiday season. I want you guys to join me in John 4. Um, if you have your phones or your Bible, um, the gospel according to John uh, we got about 26 verses we're going to read. I think this message is going to be good. We're going to deal with the woman at the well. Uh, if you've been around church for any time, you're familiar with this story. <clears throat> but as you know, I like to come from various angles of Scripture. and So we're going to share four points soon after we lay out some context in history. So a wild goose chase is a, um, a hopeless pursuit of something unattainable. And the idea of this series is that here on this earth, we're never going to be fully fulfilled, if that's even a phrase, fully fulfilled, right? We're never going to be quite fulfilled because God didn't create us to be fulfilled here. And what I've come to find out personally and through a lot of different relationships that true fulfillment comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and so this is what we want to share. This is our message. This is the good news that Jesus came. He lived a perfect life, something you and I can't do. He died on the cross, slept for three days, got up, and he conquered sin, death, and the, and the devil. And because of that, none of us have to be perfect. The only thing you have to do to receive salvation is believe. You only have to have faith in Jesus. It's not about works. It's not about performance. It's not about going to church on Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. I call them CME members. It's all about just trusting and believing 
in the work of Jesus Christ. So besides all that, that's the okay stuff. We're going to get into some of the good stuff. Let's go to John chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 26. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on your screen. We can go ahead and go there. Awesome. And it says this here. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Although Jesus himself didn't baptize, his disciples did. Verse 3. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan uh, village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat warily beside the well about noontime. I love this. Jesus is fully man and fully God, but he never tapped into his deity. What do, you, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean, Jesus did all these miracles. He raised people from the dead. He healed people. No, the Bible says that Jesus was equal to God, but he thought himself not to be. He humbled himself and became a man. The reason Jesus was so powerful because his faith was so powerful. And so he was tired. He was weary. Uh, we all get tired. And I thank God that I serve a Savior who, who knows how I feel, who, who understands my struggles. And so he goes on to say this, verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Swindlers. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. We're going to talk about that. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, I love that, and who you are speaking to, you would have asked me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. This well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals enjoy Jesus replied, that's, that's, that's cool. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Here's Jesus. I love Jesus, dude. Let me, let me just give you like pro tip. Any leader, especially spiritual leader, that's not willing to address you in a loving, kind, but honest way, you need to get from under that leadership, like ASAP. And I mean, Jesus doesn't even know this woman, but he's about to open her mail. He's about to read her mail. Watch this. Go and get your husband. I'm not doing nothing till you go and get your husband. Verse 17, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus says this, (laughs) you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. Okay, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. It's like, man, do you know me? He's like, yes, I know everything about you. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. 
um, someone, a messenger from God. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it to be here in Mount Gerizim? Mount G, we'll put it that way, where our ancestors worship. Verse 21, we're getting there. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes from the Jews or through the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. What he's saying is, is that salvation is only through me. So he's saying that, you know, because I am of Jewish um, genetics, salvation comes only through me, through the Jews. God, it was God's plan from the beginning of time to choose the children of Israel as his people to usher in the Messiah into the world. Salvation is of the Jews. So he's saying in order to know the source of salvation and how to worship and who to worship, you have to first start at the starting point with the right people. Verse 23, but the time is coming indeed. It's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. If you ever want to know the identity of God, Jesus gives us the answer in verse 24. God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah, the sent one. Everyone has been waiting on the sent one. Is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Praise God. Let's dive into some quick context here. So Jesus is leaving Judea. He's heading home towards Galilee. Samaritans did not, uh, Jews did not uh, associate with Samaritan people. Um, one reason being is because about 700 years before this encounter, they were carried away into captivity. The Samaritan people, who were Jews at, at, at the time in Samaria, were carried away into captivity, uh, captivity by the Assyrians. Sorry. And so um, the Assyrian king sent some Assyrian people back to Samaria. And what happened is, is that the poor Jews in Samaria stayed there. Most went to Assyria some stayed. The Assyrian people that came to Samaria intermarried with this group that was left in Samaria. And so what they created was the Samaritan people, this half-breed, this poor half-breed of Jewish and Assyrian people. So Jews were pretty prejudiced back then, and uh, they didn't want to have anything to do with the uh, Samaritan people. Jews hated them for a few more reasons. Samaria was a place of refuge for criminals, for Jewish criminals. So if you murdered somebody, if you kidnapped or whatever, you could shoot straight to Samaria and escape Jewish justice. And they willingly accepted these criminals like, hey, you can't do anything to them. You're outside of your jurisdiction. You better stay over there. You can't touch them. And so the Jews would used to hate that. Another thing is that uh, when they got back from captivity and uh, 500 20 BC, the Samaritans built a temple on this mountain, Mount G, that the Samaritan woman is talking about. They insisted that God, Yahweh, instructed them to build this temple at what we believe was the highest point on earth at this time. The issue with this is that 
this was a high place that they built this temple on. I'm, I'm teaching, you know, like I got to go here real quick. So they say that we are uh, the most biblically illiterate generation of all time. So, I'm, you know, I'm not going to come in here and preach your, your socks off. Then again, I'm not going to stay in the library for too long. I just need to give you this and then we're going to get into these points and they're going to bless your life. Just give me a few minutes. If you've been here, you know, you know that these points are going to bless your life. And so um, the thing about high places is that they were usually designated for idol worship. And so the Jews had a problem with this because the Samaritans weren't just half-breed genetically. They were also half-breed worshipers. On Sunday, they would worship, or Saturday, I'm sorry, they would worship Yahweh. On Saturday through Friday, they would worship all these other many gods and idols. So they would come to church on Saturday But for the rest of the week, they would put other things before God in their hearts. And so this is another reason why a lot of religious church-going Jews had a problem with Samaritans. Like, you guys are sinners. We don't deal with you. Plus, you're poor and you're half-breed. It was a mess during Jesus' day. The disciples wouldn't have stopped in Samaria. They would have stopped in a village outside of Samaria to grab a burger. Jesus goes straight into the village that most church folks avoid in order to reach someone that actually needs to know who God is. And so, have any of you ever played Murder in the Dark? Show of hands. Please, somebody. Okay, Allie. Allie, you're 18, 19? Cool, 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 cool. No one else Murder in the Dark? This is, okay, good. This is so amazing. So you, you got to invest a little bit of money into this. This is a fun game, but you got to play it at night, obviously, murder in the dark. Um, uh, so you may want to choose the first floor if you have a two- or three-story home. So you want to black out all of your windows so that none of the street lights don't shine in. You want to black out everything. And there may be seven of you, okay? You're going to choose some cards from a deck of cards, seven. You may choose the Joker, okay? The Joker is the murderer, and you're going to shuffle these cards up. You and your six friends, put them on the table. You just pick a card, pick a card, pick a card. You look at your card. (laughs) And you set like a minute timer. This has nothing to do with my message. It's actually wasting time. Uh, You set a, it's good, cool, cool. We just was real heavy in the scripture, so we'll get back into that. Um, You set a timer for about a minute. Someone cuts off the lights, and that timer goes off. Everyone scatters. Like, you can't see nothing. This stuff is fun. Everyone just scatters. And the murderer's like, and all you can hear is. And so you hear them. It is scary, man. I'm I'm telling you, it's so scary. And so the murderer is far away. And so you're like, okay, I need to move because if he finds me. Because when they murder you, they just touch you. And they were like, you're dead. Okay, and you just lay there. And so if if you're one of the people that's hiding, you're like. (sighs) And you get to one of your friends and you're like. (laughs) And they're like, I'm dead. (laughs) It's like in a scary movie, like. (sighs) It is the best, man. Like, you have to play this game. It is amazing. That had nothing to do with my message because 
Today's entitled Hide and Seek, which is a much weaker game. It's, it's man, we, we have to play that like at Team Night or something. So if you want to become a superhero, your first night is going to be murder in the dark. It's going to be fun. Come on now, chow. Praise the Lord. What am I talking about? Yes. So hide and seek. Um, it's almost as if Jesus is um, hiding from his disciples. So he's, he's creeping on into Samaria like, great, you guys will go get some food. I'm going to go over here and do my thing. And it's almost as if this Samaritan woman is seeking water in her well or in Jacob's well, who's been long dead. And so, but it's like, this is Jesus's game and this is her game. And it's like their games converge to one screen. But when their games converge, like it flips. Because if you know anything about this time in history, Um, I believe some translations, and the NLT doesn't do you any justice, my apologies, tells you that it's about the, I think it's the sixth hour of the day. So it's, uh, I think it's around noon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Most women, when they went to wells, they would go very early in the morning or later in the evening. So when I say the game switch, simply, it seems as though she's, she's hiding from her shame and her brokenness and, and, and whatever it is that's causing her to hide, she's hiding. Obviously, we find out she's the wife of five men, and the one she's living with now isn't her husband. So even in Samaria, with those lukewarm Christians, even they're judging her for her sin and how far away from God she is. And it's almost as if Jesus is like, I'm really not hiding. I'm seeking. I'm seeking because there's an entire area next to Jerusalem that needs to be reached, that needs to know that God loves them. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this woman and I'm going to use her to reach this entire village. And so he, he's seeking. And so what I want to do is say that we often find ourselves hiding some days and seeking on others. Yeah. That's what I want to say. We often find ourselves hiding sometimes and seeking, and it's just, it becomes a vicious cycle in our lives. We're going to dive a little bit more into that concept later. Today is entitled Hide and Seek, and I want to take, I want to pull away uh, four takeaway truths from this story that we can apply to our lives so that we can stop the hide and seek in our lives. A subtitle for this message is Game Over. Stop playing hide and seek. Get you some murder in the dark in your life. Come on. All right. John 4 verse 9 says this. Okay. If you take, please take notes. At Highlight Church, we believe that the dullest mind is sharper than the sharpest pencil. You like that? Cool. I stole that. I don't know who to quote, but yeah. Because you want to know on Wednesday what God spoke to you on Sunday. When you start hiding behind that Facebook and Instagram and drowning in your sorrows, you want to know what the loving word of God had to say to you to get you up out of that hiding place. I want to say this, point number one. Jesus always, and he loves to, pursue imperfect people. Jesus always, and he loves to, pursue imperfect people. I didn't make this up. I just let you know this woman's story. I let you know where she's from. As a Jewish man, I let you know how Jesus should have felt about her. 
she's clearly not the candidate for church. Clearly not the candidate for worship. But Jesus was intentional about figuring her out. Um, anyone in here ever made a, a mistake? I mean, that's a redundant question. The man with the microphone is no perfect man. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes, some of which I don't care to share tonight. Um, very ugly decisions, ugly lies, um, even after I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Um, still working on it, still a work in progress. Uh, but what I will say is that what's standing before you today and what's sitting out there before me tonight, you guys are, and so am I, we're products of grace. And I can tell because you woke up this morning. And God renewed his mercy in your life according to Lamentation 3.23. The reason you're here is because he loves you. And he's already done all the work. And so, but what I want to say is is this. It says in verse 9, The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? I remember when we first moved here. I'm glad she's not here because we've been trying to get her to visit the church. I like to tell stories, right? So um, our realtor, so it was nine of us, adults. We walked in with street clothes. Uh, We had our appointment. She had been connecting with my wife, Kyra, and we sat down at her oval table, just smiling, and Becca was there, and Sam, and Lance, and Chris, and we're just all sitting there, and and she sits down with her, her notepad. All right, and we're sitting there telling her, hey, we need three units to separate us nine people. She says, okay, good, good. Let's, let's, so who's going to be in unit one, unit two, unit three? And we get around to a point in our conversation where she says, I knew you guys were a church group, but I didn't know you would accept me. She said, I knew you were a church group. I'm going to say that again. But I, but I didn't know you would accept me. She's not here, so I can tell you. She's religiously a Jew. And I'm going to pause it, rewind it, plus pray. I knew you guys were a church group, but I didn't know you would accept me. And I'm like, oh. So I tell her, I said, look, I don't know you, but what I will say is, is that you're a big part of the process You're playing a major role in the process that God has this church in. And so I don't want to ever make you feel as though you're separated from the people of God because God hasn't chosen to separate himself from you. We have to clap for that. Come on now. Let's give that an amen. I'm kind of laid back today. I'm a little tired. My kid's been beating me up, so I'm going to take my time this morning. Um. We, we serve a God that pursues people. And so you can say, I know you're a church group, but I'm, I'm Jewish. I'm black. I'm Muslim. I'm white. I'm Hispanic. I'm Hindu. I'm whatever. And the, the, the response from the people of the church ought to always be, we don't care. We just want to meet you where you are because we're all products and receivers of God's grace and love. We all need the grace of God in our lives. We all need forgiveness. We all need power. We all need strength. We all need an ear. We all need to be understood. Who are we as a church to look down on people simply because they don't practice our religion the way that we think they should practice our faith? 
And so, come on, you can clap for that again. Psalm 139, 3 through 7 says this. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. This is David. Mm. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. This is an imperfect man writing an extremely perfect psalm. King David made so many mistakes. This lets me know that I don't have to hide in shame and be separated from all that God has for me. You never have to hide in shame. Paul, Paul, and I think it's in the book of Philippians, he says that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence in our time of need. And that, that doesn't matter whether you're a believer or not. You can approach his throne. God is seeking me in order to lavish his goodness on me. Point number two. Time to wake it up. Jesus wants to give the gift of life. Jesus wants to give the gift of life. Now, I'm going to have to preach this, so stick with me. John 4, verse 10 says this. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you, man, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Now, in ancient times, spring water was considered living water because it bubbled up from the, from the ground. Um, in contrast to this, this well water that we see, um, this well water was very still. It was just there simply because it, it filled up from, from receiving rain. And so Jesus was having a play on words here because there was no spring around, but the Samaritan woman would have understood what he was saying. She would have understood that he was saying, huh, you're actually trying to say something about this water. Like you're trying to say that what you have will cause me to be bubbly. Whatever you have will, will enable me to be truly alive and to not just, watch this, exist. Because there's a, there's a vast difference between existing and living, right? Even when you've a, a, attained a certain amount of success or degree or status in life, you can, you can just begin to exist. And so Jesus is saying that... Um, there, there's much more to life than just existing. I like the definition. To exist means to have being with respect to understood limitations or conditions. Catch that? Thank you for being on the front row. To have being with respect to understood limitations or conditions. It, it, it causes you to become in this, this day-to-day, just kind of routine, like, all right, well, I work, this is how much money I make, this is how many bills, and this is all I need. I go to school, I do social media, I go to sleep. I have this relationship, this friend, I go to sleep. I wake up, I do it again, I do it again, I go to sleep. I wake up, I go to the gym, I go to work, I eat, and I go to sleep. I wake up, I write. It, it, it just causes you to exist. You're, and then we, we're not even talking about limitations and conditions like, I have a habit. It's a bad habit. I, I can't break that habit. So not only do you recognize it, but you accept these limitations and conditions. 
I have a bad habit. I can't break that habit. My dad dealt with that. I'm not surprised I'm dealing with that. My mom got divorced. I'm not surprised I'm divorced. You know, just conditions and stuff. Like, well, for me, before Jesus came into my life, I I accepted the fact that I was going to be a father of multiple women. As long as I sent the money where they were, they were going to be fine. Simply because I saw it done in my home. Love my dad. He's saved. He's going to heaven. The greatest man you'll ever know, according to me. He's my dad. But as I was growing up, I accepted the environment and the condition and the mindset. And Jesus is trying to present to the Samaritan woman that what you have begun to do in your life is accept these conditions as they are. And you don't have to exist anymore You can start to live. So this causes us not to have any expectation, any passion, any drive. We're not we don't need to believe in God for anything because we have it all figured out. And so the Samaritan woman has an exercise routine. Monday through Thursday, she's hiding. Friday through Sunday, she's seeking. Monday through Thursday, she's hiding. And any routine exercise that you do long enough will cause you to grow thirstier, thirstier, thirstier. We were not created to be fulfilled in routine. She got stuck in a routine. Come on now, Paige, Holy Ghost, turn this thing. All right. And she didn't know that fulfillment was even possible. Routine can cause you to become blind to true fulfillment. Because you're so secure in what it is you're doing, and God is like, can I break into your life and give you true fulfillment? Can I interrupt your routine? Because this is what you need. Jesus is giving her an opportunity. Another story to lighten it up. Good timing. Yes. All right, good. So, another story. Becca uh, Minatra, she's in the crowd. Uh, she's one of our core team members who moved up with us. Give it up for Becca, her amazing family over there. Um, yeah, she, uh, she's our leadership development coordinator, and she's doing an, an extraordinary job. I just, we have a joke around the, around the team. We have a joke around HL. We sit at the feet of Becca. <laughs> just speak, Becca. Speak your wisdom. I'm sorry. I don't mean to embarrass you. Because she's just amazing. And so um, a year ago, she sends, she was communicating with Chris. She was on Instagram, and I don't know. She may have did hashtag new church or church plant. And she saw Gaithersburg 9-2016. Uh, we started a couple weeks ago. We, we thought last year that we were going to launch in, in September, but things change. Um, and so she's talking to Chris, and Chris says, hey, go ahead and reach out to Pastor. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. She shoots an amazing email. I didn't ask her for permission, but she gave me permission. Anyway, so I'm only going to share three sentences because I think this really drives home our point number two. In her email, she says, Jesus has brought me to a point of focus where I desire to support the new growth of a local church. I desire to show steadfastness, consistency, 
and obedience specifically in that area. Watch this. I could continue to do that in North Dakota, but I also want to be open to other areas as well. And right now, my heart is very open to moving and partnering with this new work the Lord is doing. Um, I want to almost preach this like a scripture. I told you that we sit at our feet. So I'm going to preach this real quick. Is that good? It says this. Jesus has brought me. So he's presenting an opportunity to break routine. Because she says, I desire to support a new growth. This is the kicker. I could continue to do that in North Dakota. What she's saying is that North Dakota is good. The life I'm living is great. I'm content. We're not against your contentment. I'm blessed. We're not speaking against your blessing. What she's saying is, is that I could continue to exist in North Dakota, not really needing God to really influence this process. But if I move from North Dakota to Maryland, I'm going to need God in the whole sphere of the deal. And this is what the Samaritan woman is facing. She's going to need Jesus to break her free of her existence and to give her true life. Now, this was written on September uh, 10th, uh, 2015. Just two weeks ago, this is what Becca told me, sitting in our living room. She said this. She said, Pastor, if I was able to uh, remove myself, have an outer body experience, and watch the life that I'm living today. This was so powerful. It wrecked my, I told you we got to say it repeat. It wrecked my world. She said that I would want to live the life that I'm living now. She said, I want to live the life I'm living now. She said, I'm so full. I'm so fulfilled. And I mean, put her out here a little bit more. It has nothing to do with the amount of money she has or the amount of friends she has. It's the type of friends. Becca works at Starbucks, and she works at a, at a family Christian bookstore. But she's fulfilled because Jesus is her everything. And he's allowed her, she's allowed him to do the work that he set out to do in her heart. And so what I'm saying is this. A year ago, she was thirsty. Today, she's fulfilled. And I'm not saying that Highlight Church is this, this thing. Now, I believe God has a plan for you and Highlight Church. But what I am saying is that maybe Jesus is trying to present to you life in light of your current existence. And so Becca asked to partake in the opportunity. Jesus said in John 4.10, if you would ask me. Sometimes I come to find out that the, the gap between existing and living, the bridge there is asking. And a lot of us aren't asking God for anything that's causing heaven to move. This is what Jesus is saying to this woman. If you would ask me, you're trying to get it from this man and this place and this person and this game and this job and this thing. And if you would ask me, if you only knew the gift that I had for you, you'd ask me and I'd give you living water. Sometimes the gap is to ask for joy to ask for peace, to ask for freedom, to ask for the right friends, to ask for resource, to ask for strength. You have to start asking. Heaven gets so bored of our prayer sometimes. Hey, oh, Lord, bless our food in Jesus' name. Amen. Just eat. Oh, Lord, protect me today from any harm. Okay, that's easy sauce. Ask me for something. 
I want to give it to you. Ask me. That's the bridge. That's the gap. And it says here, Psalm 107, verse 9, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Psalm 103, verse 5, he fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. We were created to thrive, not to just exist and survive. Come on now. All right. Point number three here. This is a. I want to talk about today's best versus yesterday and what's left. I got to speed up. Y'all okay out there? Good, good. I may go over about an hour, so. (laughs) Thank you. I'm going to take a sip for that one. Hmm. All right, cool. Here it is. John 4.12 says this. She says to Jesus, and besides, do you think you're greater than Jacob, our ancestor, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Okay. He, his sons, and his animals Are you enjoying any of it? Analogy here. I love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. Like, I don't know what you guys eat, but this is part of the reason why I agreed to move to Maryland because God called us here. But I miss my mom and my grandma's cooking. Uh, My wife is great. So, anyway. (laughs) Let me clean that up real quick. (laughs) Because she got to cook for me this year. Or I can catch a flight. Oh, so. Um, yeah, man, sweet, I'm going to just name my menu, sweet potato pie. Uh, mm, I'm going to get real collard greens. Okay, all right, we, we, we together. Um, all the other good stuff, mac and cheese. Um, come on, man, I want to pastor the most diverse church in history, so I'm not, this is just a joke, okay? So, yeah, so here we are. Um, so, yeah, now, Thanksgiving leftovers are great because the, the, the seasoning gets to stay. Uh, that next day. Day three, they're amazing on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Monday, they may be all right, but around Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> all right, let me keep, let me keep going. Stop messing with me. On, on Tuesday or Wednesday, you may want to start thinking about getting rid of that stuff because it's starting to get stale. Um, like, I, I love memories. Like, we, we oftentimes, we contemplate on yesterday when we were in college and high school and when we were in this relationship and, you know, our honeymoon was the, the best time, you know. And, and what God is attempting to say is, is that um, could it be that yesterday, uh, yesterday's memories have become experiences that have grown stale in you're, you're feeding on that stale stuff. We find our times a lot of, uh, we find ourselves a lot of times just sitting on a couch, sitting in a seat, wherever, just reminiscing on what used to be. And this is what the Samaritan woman is doing. Like, man, Jacob's well. Yeah, Jacob enjoyed it. But that stuff ain't been good for a thousand years. Jacob, Jacob's been dead. And so when you eat stale food, this is easy sauce right here you begin to get sick. And so Jesus, once again, he's presenting this new dynamic to her life. Partaking in stale memories only depletes our souls of the greater that God is trying to do right now. It only depletes our hearts. Like, well, this used to be good. And could it be that God is in the kitchen 
already preparing a new meal plan for your life. Could it be? This is what we're seeing here in this story. I want to encourage us that you don't want to compromise what's now for what was then. You don't want to compromise what's ahead for what's behind. You don't want to compromise today's best for yesterday and what's left. It's only a memory. They're amazing memories. Every time my, uh, my, my wife talks about my dad, my dad is 80 years old. Um, he had me when he was 50. Every time she brings him up and we talk about, you know, he's 80, so we, we just don't know when, um, even though he's perfectly healthy. You just start to think in that frame. I, I cry like a baby. Um, because he's been so good to me, so good. But if I'm so stuck on pondering about the memories of yesterday, it zaps me of the expectation that I have for the relationship that I'm going to have with him in heaven tomorrow. And that's the hope. Like God has a greater hope for tomorrow than your experiences of yesterday. Your best days aren't gone yet, especially for my 20 and 30-somethings. Come on now. You're just getting started. And even if you're breathing today, God is doing something. Ecclesiastes 7.10 says this. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. The life that God has in store is far greater than you've ever lived. You have to believe that by faith. You have to get that in your heart, that you serve a God who still has a plan for your life. Point number four. Good. Only Jesus can satisfy our thirst. Only Jesus. Here we go. Take a sip to it. Only Jesus, and he wants to. Here it is. Verse 14 says this. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Um, Love taking my my two boys to the park, and I always pack them water, try to be a good daddy. And um, when when they're done playing, it's the first thing they want, water. So I'm happy to give it to them. Jesus said in Matthew 7, he was on this ask, seek, knock deal. He said in Matthew 7 that uh, if you being evil know how to give your kids good gifts, how much more will your father give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take a few more minutes because I think a lot of teaching around the Holy Spirit can become dangerous and very counterintuitive to the true meaning of who he is. And the Holy Spirit isn't just a force, right? The Holy Spirit is a person. We we. We believe in in theology in in the Christian circle that there's the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a person. We're going to talk about him in a few minutes. Um, Water in the Bible symbolizes a few things. It symbolizes the word of God, salvation, or in this case, the spirit of God, when we're talking about being thirsty. And thirst arises from a lack of fluids or an increase in salts. And so Jesus is not saying that you're not partaking of anything. You're just not partaking enough of what's right. You're not partaking, partaking enough of what you're, what's needed. And so um, this is the deal. 
All right, let's clarify some things. Get away from my notes. Let me just teach. The Holy Spirit comes into to a believer's heart when they believe Jesus and receive him as Lord and Savior. As we expressed earlier, salvation is simply faith. It's turning from a life of sin, a life of darkness, saying, Jesus, forgive me. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe in your sacrifice. I receive your love and your forgiveness. At that very moment, you are a prime candidate to receive the Holy Spirit into your heart. He makes a home. He makes his home in your heart. What I think that Jesus is telling this woman is this. You're partaking of physical things. The only problem is, is that we teach this in our super steps, is that you are a soul with a body. You're not a body with a soul. What God has intentionally done, watch this. God has intentionally created a soul hole within you. And the only thing that can fulfill that soul hole is not a job, it's not your wife, it's not money, it's not what you drive, it's not the clothes that you wear. The only thing that can fit in that missing puzzle, the only missing puzzle piece there is that can fit there is the Holy Spirit. And that's the whole thesis, that's the whole deal of this wild goose chase is this, is that we can seek, we can seek, we can seek, we can seek. But actually until we turn and say, God, we're done playing church, we're done doing, doing the Easter deal. We're done skipping out on you. We're done with a lack of commitment to your body. We're done with a lack of commitment to you. And we say, Jesus, come into my heart. I just want to tell you this as someone who does not know most of you, but I love you enough to tell you this. You're going to never be fulfilled in this world without giving your heart and giving your life to Jesus Christ. And so God loves you. And so this is it. We can bring the worship team up because I'm closing out. Jesus wants to give us an unlimited reservoir of internal blessing. Ephesians 3, 16, 17 says this. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home, watch this, in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Romans fourteen seventeen says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. This is what he's telling the Samaritan woman. But of living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so as we close out, like I said, I don't know who this message spoke to today. I believe God is moving in hearts. I believe he's affirming things and giving you comfort. Um, Jesus wants to make his home in our hearts because that's the best thing for us. And what he's telling the Samaritan woman is this. You no longer have to play hide and seek. The game is over. Jesus can satisfy your thirst, and he wants to satisfy your thirst this morning, today. And so I just want to pray first, and then we're going to give you a chance to, if you've never given your life to Jesus, this morning may be your morning. But we're going to just pray a general prayer, then we're going to bow our heads, and 
give you an opportunity to give your hearts to the Lord. Let's just pray. Prayer, prayer blessing. Father, we, we praise you, God. Thank you, Lord, for each individual in this place. God, I pray that you would touch. I pray that you would give strength. I pray that you would bless, Lord. God, if you've spoken into our hearts, give us the comfort to know that you love us. Give us the comfort to know that you have plans for our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for having a desire to satisfy our thirst. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.